say I look bald. No, I was going to say you look like you're on the verge of tears. I'm not. I did cry a little bit in the car. Why? No, I didn't. I was just, I wasn't. I was like almost going to. I was just like, okay, I can't even talk about it. Okay. I'm recording. Podcast hat on. Yeah. Hello and welcome to How We Live Online. I'm Christina. And I'm Joanna. And this is your podcast about online life, internet culture. I'm realizing that we're kind of philosophizing a lot. Yeah. Or maybe it's me. No. I think it's you. Me? Yeah. Can I say one thing? Yeah. Shout out to our listeners in the Netherlands. (laughs) Yes, you guys, we got our Spotify wrapped. We are not just in the U.S. We are in six countries. A sixth one was not listed on the list. Yeah. I can go seek it out. Okay. Number one, United States. Yes, America. Number two, Netherlands. Netherlands. That's me doing a heart. Love you guys. Number three, United Kingdom. UK. Number four, Canada. Love Canada. Might move there. My move there. Number five, Germany. Germany. Wow. The white people. <laughs> they love us. Yeah, share it, share it with your friends, everybody in the Netherlands. Thank you for listening. How how lovely. How perfect. Couldn't have asked for anything better. It's like Christmas. Yeah. Thanks. I love Spotify rap. <laughs> Joanna just got back literally two seconds ago to her apartment, which she hasn't been to in two days. One day? Yeah. I wasn't here. Uh, yes. No, I was. I, was, I, I just. <laughs> I was somewhere else last night, and I wasn't here yesterday except in the morning. So, almost two days. Yeah. 36 hours. Yeah. Okay. And she decided to be here with us and me. Yeah, you're special. welcome, guys. Okay. I'm just the luckily, green bean this episode, though, so. Yeah, luckily, Joanna's a green bean. Um, can you guys hear the cat shaking? No. What? No. <laughs> It's her neck. She's itching her neck with her little bell on. Anyway, okay, so thankfully, I am the ham this episode, although I did eat green beans yesterday. I had green beans for lunch today. No way. Just been into them recently since I had them for Thanksgiving. Mm. I made them on Thanksgiving, though. I did a really good job. It was like I blanched them, and then I, like, sautéed them with, like, garlic and chili and lemon and deliciousness and it was just like a crunchy green bean in a sea of mushy foods yeah you know that sounds great yeah it was great my mom's thing is green beans with slivered almonds interesting yeah i bought slivered almonds at Lidl today i could try it you should because it's good it adds even more crunch crunch yeah um, I also got some $7 wine, which is the second cheapest wine at Lidl. And I'm having this much. Oh, my gosh. Would you say this yeah. is a shot? <laughs> I'm having a shot of wine. Yeah. But I'm not well, drinking like a shot. Do you know how much a standard pour of wine is? Um, Five ounces. It's six ounces, I think. Okay. Like, good for you that you know. It could be five. No, 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 no. I think you're right. Let's look it up because I should know. I just talked to my students about this. Because of what are the other standard pours, Christina? Either 1.5 or 2.5 ounces is a shot. I always forget. It's one. 1.5 ounces is a shot. Five ounces, I think, is wine. And then a beer is 12. Prove me wrong. Today is Thursday, December 1st, and the Google icon today is a man, like one of the first black game, video game engineer people, and they did a whole thing. If you click on the Google guy, you can play a whole little game. It's very cute. I did it earlier today. Oh, 16-ounce pint for draft beer, 6-ounce wine. Six ounce wine pour. Yeah. That's what Joanna just chatted to me. Why are you saying it out loud? Okay, whatever. She wanted me to say it. She wanted me to say I was wrong. 
Yeah, close enough. Okay. I'm having probably two ounces of wine. It's good. Like wine to me is very similar across the board. Seven buck chuck. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk. Like I'm just gonna start going into go for it. it. Well you go for so, it. Joanna will be here. So last week, two weeks ago, we talked about Joanna was the ham. We talked about modern time. We talked about technology and time. Technology is moving faster than ever time. Okay. If you haven't listened to that, that's part one. Okay. This is part two. Yes, it's coming a little bit later, but we had to talk about do revenge and we also had to do a little internet intermittent episode. Okay. But it's worth the wait. All right. Keep in mind, everybody, this season is about is internet auspices, it's possible futures. We're predicting what's going to happen next in this online world. Read the subjects we discuss in the pod. We talked about tech and time a couple weeks ago, and this week we are going to talk about our nostalgia for the past. I'm mostly, I'm going to be talking about like this American nostalgia. And I also think like this podcast is really, or at least my interest as a host in this podcast is to talk about all of these things from an American perspective, not just because I'm an American, but also because I think that the way the internet is working and like making global influence has a lot to do with the way that Americans interact with each other and how we produce content globally. Mm -hmm. I noticed that there's a strong movement to look to the past, not just for inspiration, but that there's this longing to return to it. Um, We have the obvious, this like, everything was so simple in the 1950s, which I think is really just about this distinct power hierarchy that was very overt at that time, rather than the more covert ways that there's this hierarchical power patriarchy now. It's still in existence, but in the 50s, everyone had a very, everyone had a lane and they stayed in it. That goes hand in hand with Trump's Make America Great Again, which I'm going to be talking about a good amount on this episode because I think it's an easy touchstone. Like we know what he said. We know how he said it. We under, we have an understanding of like Trump's followers and he's also making these references back to the 1950s that I think everyone also can um, imagine. Uh, and then that made me think of the this idea of plantation parties that I didn't know about until The Bachelor, Matt James's season, when Rachel Kirkconnell, who he is currently dating. They're still dating? Who, yeah. And who won the season, if there's a winner, I guess. <laughs> she didn't get a ring, but they, they did leave dating. And they're still dating. Um, there was a scandal because she was photographed in, I think, 2018 at a college party that was plantation-themed. Um, she went to school, she went to some big school in the South, and it was like a frat um, tradition. So there, there are these longstanding traditions to like go back to um, these times in the past where like there is a really distinct hierarchy. I was just going to say that like a little bit that just reminds me of in general, you know, people who say like oh I was born in the wrong decade and then it is always interesting to think about like you we can't really obviously like especially we because we are so young we literally weren't Mm -hmm. alive in those decades but Mm -hmm. like like whenever people say that they're not thinking like contextually about like the position they would have occupied or like the a lot of the forces that existed in those times that um still exist today but just you know in different ways yeah like I'm an old soul I should have been born in these simpler times and I feel like that's usually a reference to like um tangible media Mm. or like I just want to like walk around with or I just want to like have listened to records on a record player and like lived a slower life um yeah without like thinking about the context and the where they would fall in that hierarchy and the things that I just listed you know we can attribute to the political right um but then we also have 
the overturning of Roe, the resurgence of vintage fashion, which I think is part of the trend cycle, but also something that we are doing to like to find like a classic not only are we like trying to label ourselves but I think the the move towards vintage fashion is like um what are timeless pieces like what will stand the test of time for me what can I actually hold on to you know in the fashion world um we have the rapid trend cycle which maybe is more a product of mass production than it is this like nostalgic ideology but it's still there mid-century modern decor Everyone wants to have a house like they're in Mad Men. That's okay with me. That's great. If it's just the decor. Um, and then pre-social media. People want to return to a time where there's no longer social media. Also, now people want to return to the Obama administration. I'm seeing a lot of that. So um, I also want to make the side note about this need to label generations. I think Joanne and I have talked about this definitely off the pot a lot. Like, what the hell makes a generation? Um, and I'm just wondering, like, did this happen before? Like, was my mom in her 20s trying to place herself between boomers and Gen X? Like, she's born in 1965. That's the cutoff. We are at the cutoff for Gen Z and millennial. Like, is this new need to put ourselves under one of those labels like I don't know is that new or is that not new I wonder I don't know and so I wonder why is this happening why are we so nostalgic for the past why are people who didn't even live in that past nostalgic for it we no longer have shared truths that's really what I'm going to be talking about in this episode um I was listening to this interview between Sean Elling of Vox on the Gray Area podcast, um, which is one of my favorite podcasts, formerly the Vox Conversations podcast. I love Sean Illing a lot. He is, I feel like I don't talk about him enough, but like he is in my brain as much as Gio Tolentino, Tim Wu, the thinkers, their voices, they're spiraling in there. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he interviews this historian from Yale named Tim Timothy Snyder in this episode, and they discuss Russia and Ukraine. And then they get into this bigger subject of like shared ideologies and political polarization. So at two opposite ends of the spectrum, we are not living in the same reality as other people in the same country as us. Um, you know, America is huge and it's not an old country, but its land is ancient. There are ancient cultures existing on American soil or rather America is existing on ancient soil. Um, which when you think of it that way, we are not on the same page and none of us are expecting or desiring the same futures just from an American context. Like we're all coming from very different backgrounds. We have different expectations for our futures. Um, and yet we're all on this giant land mass that is really, really big. Like when you think about our listeners in the Netherlands, you guys are very close together, okay? Like, America has so many different kinds of people in it. And the polarization makes sense because of that. Yeah. It's way more heterogeneous than a lot of other countries. I mean, there are obviously other heterogeneous countries, but America is surely up there because it is so big. And then, the, yeah, there's also just so many um, cultures here. Who've been here forever and then also who have been transplanted here a while ago or even very recently and we just all live here and here we are making the most of it and making babies <laughs> and, and making babies who have like what what's the combination of different things yeah yeah it's a beautiful thing really okay so sean illing also goes on to quote heidegger okay who said something very similar to what we said in part one of this two-part episode, which makes us philosophers, if you don't know, you guys. So he paraphrases Heidegger by saying, for all of human history, the world that people died in looked just like the world they were born into. That set a cultural foundation, but we no longer have that cultural foundation in the age of technology. Literally what we were just saying. Like, technology is making time move faster than ever. We don't have the same cultural touchstones anymore, okay? 
Snyder starts to talk about like, what do we do about history moving so fast? And the historian Timothy Snyder says, it's not that history is moving faster. It's just that we have this added subject to study the interaction of man and machine. We have to consider that constant stimulus. Um, And when I asked you, Miss Joanna, to join the pod with me, Joanna came up with the idea for the Tech and Time episode, you know, about time moving faster than ever. Um, Do you want to, like, just summarize that episode really quickly? What were our main, what were your main points in there? Yeah, I think um, the big takeaways for me in researching that episode, um, I think there are a few ways that people have studied the interaction of technology and time. And there are a few different ways we can think about, like, anecdotally, how time speeds up or slows down in your perception when you interact with technology. But I think like the one that resonates with me the most in this moment is the idea of like a human human computing power versus machine computing power and like comparing a human brain to a, a machine brain. Sort of one thing that's going on is we're expecting things to happen faster on a different time scale, a faster time scale than ever. And I guess that kind of speaks to like a patience part of it that like we expect things to be so instant, which I think is something we hear about all the time, right? Like we're an instantaneous culture, everything at our fingertips. But yeah, I think it's overall, I think it's a lot of different ideas, a lot of different things happening that like culminate in this strange interaction between technology and our perception of time. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you. And also like, that is to the project of this podcast is to talk about the interaction of man and machine and to kind of like talk about it as it's happening. Um, because I think that there isn't enough rapid commentary on like the way that we're changing with technology. And, you know, the people who I think of who are doing it are Sean Ailing and Gia Tolentino, who are really interesting, and I'm interested in hearing what they have to say about it, you know. And I like to see what people have to say about, you know, the culture of our interactions with machine and with mechanized communicative forums. But anyway, this idea that our reference points or our cultural stuff touchstones are disappearing is really interesting to me. My mom actually, like on the phone right before we started recording, was telling me that one of her students answered her classroom phone and was really nervous about it and then hung up and, you know, after completing the call and was like, I've never answered the phone before. I've never answered a phone before. She's in fifth grade. And my mom was like, and then I made them all listen to a dial tone and they were so shocked at the sounds and never heard a dial tone before. And then now their homework is to learn their home phone numbers because they don't know their home phone numbers which is an, it's an important skill to have. So that's so interesting. But I think we're reaching for shared truths. Um, We're reaching for those reference points and those cultural touchstones. That's what brings us back to the nostalgia. We don't know what's going to happen next and we're scared. The future is not predictable. Um, I was talking to a friend of the pod about Big Brother, which is a competition reality show. And There have been episodes where Trump was elected and the House voice had to announce to the people who are in this complete bubble who were expecting that Hillary Clinton would win. Um, The House voice had to just flatly, without opinion, report that Trump had won the election. Everyone was shocked and some people started crying. Um, They did not expect it. And there's also an episode of Big Brother where COVID-19 was announced, which was done by an actual producer, a person, and said, like, all of your families are safe, don't worry. But, like, you know, these people are in total bubbles. They definitely did not expect a pandemic and had to then, like, decide to leave or stay. And especially in the bubble, which is why I'm talking about this Big Brother episode, it's like, and I'm, I'm saying inflated, but I don't mean inflated, an inflated example of like, not knowing what's going to happen next, like they truly yeah. had no knowledge of it. And me at home, I had seen the news about it, but I didn't take it seriously. And I didn't think it would make it to our side of the world. 
and I was with Joanna when the um, world ended, essentially. We were in Venice, Florida. It's we're also together it really... on the night of the 2016 election. Yes, we cried both times. <laughs> Joanna and I are trauma bonded. Maybe we should Her stop. Wisdom? Just that. Yeah. Huh? I was just going to say, maybe we should stop hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> this is the last episode that we live online. With Joanna. (laughs) Wait, we should tell that story sometime. Both. Mm -hmm. We can have a story time of our lowercase g, capital T, drama times together. Anyway, yeah, they're so scared of what will happen next. They have no access to finding out what will happen. Um, You know, they just live in whatever reality. I'm talking about Big Brother, but also us when we found out about the pandemic. Um, You know, you live in a state of just worry and you're you concoct whatever reality you want or worry about in your head and it's scary and precarious to live in predictions so by fantasizing about the past we know what we're going to get because we know how it went Mm. Um, and I'm going to use the MAGA 1950s example because I think it's just a common one Um, you know most people have the idea of the nuclear family white picket fence kids play until sundown and the mom raises the kids and the dad goes to work and he has a briefcase and she just got a new vacuum and like life is good (laughs) um but even the access to the fantastical 1950s times were simpler past is one that is really only accessible to white people like even this imagination is an imagination that we're allowed to live in freely Um, You know, like that imaginative space is not open to anyone else. Um, The 1950s pre-civil was the 1950s was pre-civil rights. There was overt racism, overt sexism, um, racial discrimination. There was a polio epidemic like it was not a great time. And yet this like faction of MAGA followers who are part of the white conservative right hold on to that idealization of the 1950s as a truth to them. And that's something that they can share. You know, that's that cultural reference point for them. Yeah. I mean, just also because you bring up like the nuclear family and stuff, it, I I think it also, it kind of goes without saying, but I think, you know, there's also like a truth to this only being accessible to hetero people, cisgender people, um, could probably think of, you know, a coterie of good word, good word. Who are simply right, like you're saying, not represented in this. Not even in this imagination. Yeah. Like they don't exist in this imagination. Um, and this narrativization of a decade of American history. Thank you for adding that. So, yeah, I and I suspect this is where my prediction comes in. Um, And it's a small prediction. I suspect that people who are more left leaning will start to wish for the days where abortions were a right under the federal government, even though they were never like truly, truly, truly 100 percent accessible across the U.S. Um, And I want to be clear that I'm not saying that the overturning of Roe didn't do anything. It's a very terrible thing. And it did make abortion access far worse. But what I am, but what I am saying is that abortion access has always been fraught with danger and uncertainty. And now we're just facing that at an even higher degree. Um, I predict that we will start seeing think pieces or celebrities in interviews falsely fantasizing about the time before Roe was overturned, as if the solution would be to go back in time to how it was rather than to seek to go beyond that original access, you know, like, and I saw, I saw, I tried to find, but it's so hard to Google this. Like, I definitely saw someone in a talk show. It wasn't Jennifer Lawrence, but it was like a Jennifer Lawrence type celebrity being like, I used to think that like, abortions were my right. And they've been taken away from me. And like, while that's true, it's kind of reductive. Like, you, yes could get them anywhere, anytime, but like, because you could travel to get one, 
And what I'm saying is like, we have moved backwards because of the of Roe being overturned, but the solution isn't to like look for the time right before. Mm-hmm. It's to like go above and beyond what we have ever had. Yeah. I like, yeah, that makes me think of a few things. One, like these are, I'm thinking some things that I like literally can't explain. Joanna's tired. I'm not even tired. Like these are the, maybe the two (laughs) biggest thoughts I've ever had. And I'm just trying to (laughs) execute them. Oh my God. (laughs) Joanna's thoughts are huge. Okay. Here's one. Oh my God. Here's one. I am not, this is not going to make any sense. Okay. Okay, I'm thinking Taylor Swift. Okay. She has that song. Okay. I'm so sick of running as fast as I can. can. Yeah. Running if I get there quicker. (laughs) She said I'd get there quicker if I was a man or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This I'm thinking of this like Does she if I does she say if I was a man or if I were a man? I don't want to like be a grammar. If I was the man. I'd be the man. If I, I were the man. I was a man. Yeah. Why do they? I think she says was, but okay, that's not correct. But... Here, like this is what I think is in, like, like that's just one thing I'm thinking of. Taylor Swift doesn't want to be a man. <laughs> I don't think, mm. but like that's just one thing I'm thinking of. Like, I think sometimes too, and I think this is different than what you're talking about, Christina. But like. Sometimes people I are nostalgic or idealize something that they don't have or would also not have access to. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, and obviously Taylor Swift is not the best example because she has so much privilege, but she you knows she's talking about she obviously doesn't want to. I don't I'm saying obviously, but I don't believe Taylor Swift really <laughs> wants to be a man, but she's yeah. talking about like accessing a level of privilege that she would have if she were a man, right? Right. Yeah. In the same way, like, I'll just speak from my own experience, like who has their sexuality figured out all the way? I don't know. But sometimes I do think about personally how things are probably easier or more simple if you pursue like a quote normal relationship that would be like a hetero relationship with like yeah yeah, exactly like that is maybe that's something I want but also it's something you think about because it's easy right like and that is a path that you see so I don't know if like I don't know that's just something that I'm thinking about too with what you're saying and the second thing I'm thinking about is The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> Always. Right? Like, I, I feel like not. that's, yeah, that's something I feel like I hear people talk about so much recently of, like, what do you think about that? Like, and I think, I mean, it's it's totally just about, like, how people think about the overturning of Roe and, like, where we might be headed. Everyone always is saying, like, oh, my gosh, we're really becoming The Handmaid's Tale but I think it's just interesting because that is um, sort of literally the idea of going backwards forwards, right? Because that story does not take place in the past. It takes place in the future, but it is totally a society that's gone backwards. Right. I mean, that story is like speculative fiction about where we're possibly headed. Mm-hmm. It's in- completely influenced by you know, current current American culture. It's it's kind of silly to like look at an allegory and be like, oh my God, our real world is becoming the allegory. And it's like, no, the allegory is like influenced by the real world. Yeah. Like, what are you I think you're misunderstanding <laughs> the the way that these things are formed and you know don't don't let me get into like a craft analysis. Yeah, not everyone knows as much about fiction as you, Christina. But the thing is that okay, because what you're saying about Taylor Swift, I feel like you were gonna say something else than you did. What you said was that sometimes, like, even though you are secure, let's take like in your sexuality, even though and like global you, 
let's say that global you is secure in your sexuality and you are not seeking a male partner cishet relationship um but you see like the world like people in the world around you are in those relationships and it seems like they're having an easier time it makes sense to fantasize about a life in which you want that Uh the fantasy is in the desire to have the thing not in actually having the thing you know Mm -hmm. like I wish I, I I wish I wanted that um I think that's really interesting. But what I thought you were going to say was that she, Taylor Swift, was like fantasizing about being less privileged, which have you seen? Have you seen? Um, That's a thing, too, though. Yes, it is a thing, too. Yes. Have you seen? What the fuck is the name of the movie? Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I haven't seen that yet. Okay. In it, Joanna... Okay, for those of you who have seen it, you know the scene I'm talking about, and I cannot ethically spoil it for Joanna, but I'll use a different example for Joanna. Like, when people are like, I have, I'm I'm poor, like, yeah. I'm just a poor college student, and you're like, bitch, you go to William & Mary, and you live off campus, and everything is paid for for you, and you have a car, and me, 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 yeah. but, you know, like, why are you saying why do you want to be in this lesser position what are you pointing at can you hear what's going on above me wait no the zoom is doing a good job of keeping it out but like the dog that lives above me is like fully sprinting around the house oh i thought you were gonna say they were having sex no i never hear them having sex which is crazy but maybe they never have sex that could be okay um but <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm reaching for a good example of that too because I I yeah I but I think we all that it resonates with all of us we know we know about that it's like um it's also like a relatability thing mm-hmm. people are fantasizing about not even like 10 years ago like there's this trend to want to go back to 2014 Tumblr, which like I served my time there. Okay. Do not take me back to the trenches of the thigh gaps and the collarbones, like the like images of just like bony, emaciated bones. And like everyone was wearing like a black and white horizontal striped shirt under a jean jacket, which like I'm not a stripes girl in that way. Like I don't need to return. Yeah. I'll take the skater skirts. That's something I'll take. That's something I will take with me to the grave, in fact. But, like, we don't... It's just so strange to, like, even be like, oh, my God, like, I wish I was a teen in, like, 2014. And it's, like, 12-year-olds on TikTok making these weird videos of, you know, 1975 concert pictures. It's just, like, live in the now. Yeah. I personally haven't seen any of that, but I think that's really funny. Um. I'll give a shout out to a TikToker I see all the time that I really like, Jenna Barkley, Barclay. She does nostalgia TikToks for her youth, which is like the late 90s, early 2000s when she was like in high school and in um, in middle school and stuff. Fully a time I was not in high school in, but there's so she funny. a thin white woman with like yes. strawberry blondish hair bronze hair yes yes and she always has her hair like so tight like on top of her head or something yeah, yeah. yes in the pre-wrap oh I don't see her in pre-wrap okay I don't know but I same same diff same vibe yeah I understand. yeah I see her too what and you're fascinated with her too I I mean they resonate with me like I I feel like I I feel I I agree with those girls who are nostalgic for a 2014 tumblr like I was not in high school at this time, but like, but also here's and I would have been a baddie. (laughs) Well, no, here's the other thing. Like, um, and this is just like a small point in your grand narrative. So I don't want to like hang up on it too much, but like for me looking at Jenna Barkley's TikToks, like, cause like I was not in high school, but like I was five or six or seven or eight, you know, like, so I like knew 
those were the trends. And I like knew that's what like older cool people were doing, but like, I didn't yet have access to like be that older cool person, but I knew that that's what they were doing. So that's why I'm nostalgic to be that person in that time. Because like, even at that time, I wanted to be that person a little bit. Yes, you are accessing a memory of aspiring to be that girl even though you're not accessing a memory of like being that girl yeah and that girl just got her belly button pierced stop it's one of the recent ones oh my god oh my god slut I wish I had one anyway recently I was talking to Alexis about belly button piercing Alexis should get her belly button pierced no we were both like wait are like is it too late but like maybe we should I'm saying 100% just so you could say belly button pierced I just want my belly belly button button pierced I think I can't we're off track you guys if I get one I'll never tell you (laughs) I'd figure out because you would sit down and be like ow ow I would be constantly like like fiddling with something under my shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Ew. I do think we need shared truths. And I don't have like a solution to find one. You Librarians. Know. What'd you say? Librarians. <laughs> Wait, you're right. Anyway, done. <laughs> I do think we need shared truths. I don't have a solution for what that would be other than librarians. I do think that our reference points are disappearing, but I want to add that it is such an American thing to disagree and to change and to actually not have cultural touchstones that like carry across the U.S. Mm-hmm. Like there are so many microcosms and like tiny enclaves and like people who just live completely different like think of like all of the neighborhoods that just in the U.S. that just speak a completely different language yeah like there are so many so like how can we all think the same thing all the time it's not possible yeah I would say like I think one thing I think like shared truths could be our values like you know values I think transcend your actual beliefs and sometimes you know Obviously, it's also probably impossible that everyone in America have the same values, but probably right. there's way more people that you might not believe share the same values as you that actually do if you, um, you know, really talk to them. Yeah, yeah. And like the way that we are, the way that we are communicating now is so in our own in-groups not even just like in our literal local communities, but where we go to online and like think that we're accessing a larger community when really like we're in an echo chamber. Mm-hmm. Like that's no way to access, like that that isn't a way to access a shared truth in the sense that like you're all saying the sh- same shit back to each other, mm-hmm. but we're not like in doing the work to like create an American community or like, understanding of one another at all because we're stuck in these echo chambers i'm working on an essay for school and in that essay i decided to interview dr susan rawls who is one of the curators of the decorative arts at the virginia museum of fine arts and um it's the art museum here in richmond there's a lot of american art in there and i wanted to ask her what was her definition of or what was the museum's definition of Americanness? Not just for my essay, but just because I was curious, because it's a very difficult thing to pinpoint. And I wanted to know what this institution like had to say about it. And I'm going to quote from her and it's semi long. So this is what she said. We do not have an elevator speech on that. I just finished this exhibition, The American Painters in France, I was on view last spring and early summer, and my intro panel was really what constitutes the American in American art. And so many of the artists traveled abroad. Some of them traveled abroad and never permanently settled in the U.S. So why are they Americans? We do not have a sort of elevator speech on what American is 
or what constitutes American. And I think one of the reasons why that's so challenging is because it's so fluid. Whatever is American is being constantly interrupted and intercepted with something else. I think at one time I might have said it's a commitment to certain ideals. It's a commitment to a way of living or being or philosophy of shared values, but I'm not sure that's actually true. I think my feeling now is that it has more to do with an acceptance of the fluidity of values among and between people and an acceptance of that individual independence and the freedom to enjoy fluidity. Um, and I just really love this idea that whatever is American is being constantly interrupted and intercepted with something else because, you know, she doesn't put a moral judgment on that. She's not saying like it's a good thing or a bad thing to be constantly intercepted with something else. Um, but I just think it's true throughout American history that whatever is American is being constantly intercepted. Like people are being transplanted, people are leaving, people are coming for a thousand different reasons. Um, you know, we are a country of infighting historically. Um, and I think that this degree of polarization was maybe just like a long time coming. Um, and I also feel like on this podcast, I talk a lot of shit about the state of the world. And I don't know how to reconnect Americans toward a shared truth, as I said earlier. Um, but I also don't think we've ever had one. And I am curious what you have to say about that. And then I will have my final thoughts on the whole thing. Yeah, I also really like that, um, your quote um, from the curator, InfoScience, um, Glam, Glam Institutions, Hala. Oh my God, Glam Institutions. Can you remind the readers? Galleries, libraries, archives, and museums. They're glam. Hey, what's G again? Galleries. Galleries, libraries, archives, archives museums. museums. They're glam. glam. Yeah. First off, I agree that resonates. Two, I think, I think, yeah, you're really right on that. What it makes me think of is like, um, you know, just the I and our our um, friend of the pod, Meredith Barber, chief historian. <laughs> I, I agree. She, I think she would also definitely agree, like thinking yeah. about, you know, who writes history and what narratives we learn of history. Mm-hmm. It's like everyone agreed, right? Everyone knew what America was, but also it's like representing a very specific point of point of view mm-hmm. in reality, like, I mean, just because you mentioned it in the beginning, my brain is going to like um, indigenous Americans who Mm -hmm. obviously did not share a truth about what America was. um, Yeah. Colonization. So I would say, I think you're totally on point with that, that likely we're talking about, you know, the privileged few Americans. Yeah, they probably agreed (laughs) on sure truth. Mm-hmm. But there are so many other people who were here and who are here that had a completely different point of view of what was going on. From truly when Christopher Columbus himself made his way here and through like the American Revolution, Civil War, mm-hmm. the World Wars. Mm-hmm. Wars are really easy things to mark time. Mm-hmm. They're what I'm thinking of. But like civil rights movement women's lib like even in the women's lib movement there was like you know the white women had were at the top and like black women were like kind of they were like barely accepted into it as like having people you know in the movement but like they had a completely different idea of like what a liberated woman or, and what feminism does for like a large community rather than like the elite group of white women who wanted to vote mm-hmm. um you know like it goes back to that row thing of like and the taylor swift thing of like you know the white women and women's live were like i need to like be on the same par as the white man and then like the black feminist movement is more about like community wholeness and how we can help one another in an equitable way mm-hmm instead of like reaching for this ideal that was like never truly made for them. Mm-hmm. And those are two really different approaches to a supposedly similar goal. Yeah. And like you can pick apart any American movement 
to see people on the same side, heavy quotation, same side, like doing completely different, like the Malcolm X, Martin Luther King Jr. thing too. Like literally there's so many examples of this, like Mm -hmm. people just taking different approaches to get to the same or not even same outcome to get like to a similar version of an outcome. So yeah, I, I really haven't heard anyone say it so confidently, you know, whatever is American is being constantly interrupted and intercepted with something else. Like, I think that's really astute. And she did use this word acceptance of individual independence, which independence is, that is a word that is associated with America. But I think in this context, it's very different than like, you know, the American Revolution independence too. So yeah, I think it's, these are all my thoughts on this. And I would love to hear from what other people have to say. And we will continue talking about, we have like an episode on the roster, a little similar to this too, near the end of the season. So if you're interested in this, um, stay tuned. There will be more. And I also wanted to end the episode with the, um, we'll return to Timothy Snyder, the the Yale historian um, from the Vox interview. He was giving Sean Illing his advice for not getting stuck in an echo chamber and like, you know, being a present viewer and like active participant in history. Um, and his advice is, avoid, his advice is avoid being mechanized. Like if you're spending tom- time online, avoid algorithms, uh-huh. TikTok, Twitter, uh-huh. um, Instagram, face like things that are, you know, showing you what they think you want to see so that you're only seeing your own ideas reflected back at you. Because the more that you see that, the less likely you will be open to hearing new ideas. Uh-huh. Um, and then he says that podcasts are a really good thing to do online that aren't like that because it's more nuanced. And I want to add it's long form. It's like you have to think and take your time and process along with something like this. So um, if you're listening, that means you're smart. And he also says to read. He said, read really old novels, which I think is kind of funny. But I would also just say, like, just read. Read a biography, read a memoir, read anything that gets you into someone else's head be it a fictional character or like a historical figure. Sidebar, who says Anne historic? Because I see that written down a lot, but I never say it. And I don't know if it's it's like grammatically correct, yeah. which I think it has to be. Or maybe it's like an APA versus MLA thing. I'm not sure. But I'm never going to say it out loud. Anyway, um, yeah, read. Reading is makes you smart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and then he also says to uh, look at slash engage with visual art. Hmm. And um, yeah, also makes you think, makes you enter into an imaginative space. And I think these are great things to carry with us into the winter months. Yeah. When we will be doing a lot of ruminating. Yeah. I expect I will be doing. Can I add one? Yeah. I think one thing that I don't do enough is like, and this is along with the idea of like being open-minded, but like, how do you actually do that? Like, what does that mean? Um, One way that I've tried to think of it lately is like truly letting, letting people surprise you and like, let, let yourself surprise yourself. Because I think sometimes like we don't even let ourselves, you can't be open-minded because you're not even letting yourself have interactions with people that surprise you in a way that you can be Mm open-minded or also you're not like in the same way of like an echo chamber of an algorithm right like you're not letting yourself think about something enough in a way that you can surprise yourself in the conclusion you come to or the nuance that you can see in a um in a situation so yeah that's what I would say like seek surprise seek surprise yeah by giving yourself space to think and to listen Mm -hmm. 
I love that idea. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say is um, for sure, listen to podcasts and um, view art, but also if you are interested, especially in this idea of shared truths, I think, and um, podcasting and technology, but also in a way that like pokes fun at itself um, Mm -hmm. of like, you know, being like self-righteous and like people having a podcast, you should watch the movie Vengeance. Okay. Um, I thought you were going to say you should listen to How We Live Online. And yeah, I was like, you should do that too. Why are you listening? <laughs> but the movie Vengeance by um, uh, BJ Novak's movie. It's on Oh, Peacock. you wanted to review that? Yes, I was telling you about it. We don't need to review it, but I definitely think you should watch it, Christina, um, and anyone else who thought these ideas were interesting. This, I like the movie a lot. Um, yeah, it's on Peacock. Peacock. Cock Ashton Kutcher's in it. Kutcher. Yeah. I'm pissed. Yeah. Okay. I have to tell everyone something. I've always wanted to be Mila Kunis. Love her. Just want to be her so bad. So gorge. Anyway. Um, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast in all countries in which you listen. Send them to an international send this episode to an international friend to learn more about American culture. Yeah. Golf and next year, double it. 12 countries. Double it. Triple it. Yeah. So if you like this episode, please share it. Tell us how much you love us. You should comment on our Instagrams and like follow my normal Instagram and like just like reach out. Be my friend. I'll give you my number. Like I will. I'll give it right now. 